Chapter 21 Sic Semper Tyrannus The Way of the Tyrant Washington, D.C. 2053-2090 Emperor Shane I, previously Shane Finnegan Ulysses Micheletti, died in his sleep on April 30th, 2053, in the 16th year of his reign. He was buried in Mount Vernon, Virginia, next to the sarcophagus of George Washington. Rio watched the ceremony in the house as Addie and Lucy buried themselves in editing Lucy's manuscript, and the children played in the twins' room. "'Are you sure you two want to miss this, Addie?' he yelled through the open window. "'Positive,' Addie kept reading as Lucy chuckled. "'Strange, thinking of him as dead. I never thought I'd see this.' Lucy shook her head and scribbled a note to herself. Rio yelped, "'They just vacuumed out Martha Washington's remains from her sarcophagus to make room for Micheletti.' "'Of course they did.' Addie tossed her head back and continued reading. One last jab. Lucy flipped a few pages ahead of what Addie was reading and added a paragraph. What are you thinking? It's just that things have gone their way all this time. I had an idea for the ending. Lucy giggled and wrote. Come on, you can't keep that away from me. What are you cooking up? Well... Throughout history, people in power never see the end coming. They're always so surprised. They call it a crisis, a catastrophe, Armageddon, etc., etc. But it never happens like that. The end doesn't come quickly. It's not like a thief in the night, as the saying goes. So what's it like? Like a big snake that's eaten its fill and is just laying there digesting. That's how the end comes. These clods are getting fatter and fatter and it's more difficult for them to move. They're fighting amongst themselves to see who can swallow the most. There will come a day when they've consumed all they can and will just wallow in their overabundance. They'll choke to death on their opulence. Well, let's hope so. Lucy laughed and continued to write. Emperor Shane II assumed the throne and policies of his father at the end of the funeral rites, with the blessing of his mother. Crowned and waving a blank paper in his hand that confirmed his right of succession, he basked in the warmth of maternal blessing and imperial loyalty. Former Vice President Carmine Nettlecombe, having failed to eliminate the widow Micheletti and her two children, and subsequently his bid for succession, lost his head the next day in another televised public execution. Weeks of celebration followed the funeral as the newly anointed emperor ordered athletic tournaments in honor of Shane I in stadiums across the globe. There was to be double the number of raffles held in conjunction with the games, and more names of terrorists were expected to be submitted. Hundreds of so-called subversives were added to the prescription list throughout the empire. A group deemed the New York Eight 
was slated to showcase the new emperor's security initiative when the Sunshine Gardens and Crematorium Funeral Games opened on the summer solstice of that year. The beheadings of the eight were among another group of 144 enemies of the empire, who would once again serve as examples of imperial justice and retribution around the world. More names continued to be supplied in those first months of the new emperor's reign, and when the number of enemies seemed to be dropping off, a faulty fuel line in the imperial jet provided an impetus for the number of the sinister to be increased, just as Shane II had hoped. The plane crashed, killing the emperor's mother, sister, and special imperial guest, Portiana Leviathan. Addie dropped the tablet she was reading. There's no way. Cliff said the emperor ordered it, although there's not a single piece of evidence to prove it. The resistance did not do it, that's for sure, contrary to the official story. The only one who benefits from their deaths is the emperor himself. His position is safer. He had the motive, even at the expense of his immediate family. What about Theleastos? Rio cleaned up the kitchen. Ha! That fossil? She isn't smart enough to plot that kind of thing. She continued reading, handing Rio her coffee cup. But it leaves him without a successor. Rio washed the cup. When you prattle on about being untouchable, you don't need a successor. Besides, he knows that his dozens of boy toys have his back while he finds some cheerleader to inseminate. Intrigues mounted and bodies were piled on top of each other for a decade after the death of Shane I. In 2063, the 10th year of Shane II's reign, Shane Finnegan Ulysses Micheletti III was born, the fruit of the womb of the aged supermodel Aero Soom. Shane III was marked for greatness and, at the same time, tagged for elimination. Former Speaker of the House, Arachne Theliastos, the seething, impatient, and overlooked heir apparent, plotted the removal of the infant, the next heir to reach the throne instead of her. Senator Lucius Schreiner, infamous talent agent and past guardian of Rio Seco, spirited away the crown prince, Shane III, for the child's safety and his own gain. Theliastos waited knowing that her sixty-some years in government office gave her no advantage except rage. Imperial pressure accelerated during the power struggles. The interruption to Lucy's work in December by the mid-2060s came through the radio in the back room. Rio was working on some repairs in the brickwork in the living room and had to race to the back of the house. Cliff, repeat, he said when he reached the equipment. Dude, Lucy's got to get out of there. There's too much uncertainty in D.C. and all big cities. It's not safe for her there. Tell her we got people getting her tonight. Standard ID codes to be used. And they're to head south. Tonight. We have friends in Knoxville who can hide her and then get her to us here on the East Coast. She'll be with me in the mountains. You and Addie stay put. 
She made it out of the city shortly after the new year, 2068. Lucy Farrow would not appear in public again until after her death, with the publication of her Journal of a Pariah. At the guild ceremony held on the spring equinox of that year, also called the Year of Five Emperors, Theliastos orchestrated the assassination of Shane II and assumed the throne as Emperor Arachne Athena. With the help of former Minister of Information Aspen McDermott, she deflected responsibility away from herself and presided over the execution of the anarchist conspirator scapegoats. Emperor Arachne Athena would have ruled with little trouble, except for the fact that McDermott led the palace guards into the imperial residence and had her shot as she lay in bed, just a month after her coronation. Aspen McDermott was crowned by the guards on the spot, and when, now as Emperor Aspen, he gave a tearful midnight address to the world, he exposed his predecessor, the pretended Emperor Arachne, as the murderer of the beloved Shane the Second. He soon invited Senator Lucius Schreiner and five-year-old Shane III to a summit meeting to discuss the future. Unbeknownst to Emperor Aspen, however, Schreiner had paid the Imperial Guards more than Aspen had for the liquidation of the enemy. Emperor Aspen McDermott was taken out of the meeting room and thrown from the roof. As scripted, the guards proclaimed the boy Emperor Shane III and crowned him immediately. With his grace, Lucius Schreiner, becoming the guardian of the emperor until Shane III came of ruling age. The granddaughter of Emperor Arachne Athena poisoned them and proclaimed herself Emperor Arachne Athena II. She would wield the scepter as the final decade of the 21st century opened, less concerned with the rod of justice than with those of the young men who surrounded her. More focused with the perks of the throne rather than its power or responsibilities, she spent most of her time in the imperial villas of the West Coast, the darling guest of celebrities, athletes, models, and publicists. She basked in the glory that was her inherited right, resting on all sides from her enemies, as Shane the Great had granted to her.